Hello, and welcome to the Chess Journal's Editor Highlights Podcast. Each month, Chess Editor-in-Chief Dr. Peter Mazzone highlights key articles from the current issue of the journal to help clinicians stay informed about new research in the fields of pulmonary, critical care, and sleep medicine. To introduce this month's episode, here is Dr. Peter Mazzone. Thank you for tuning in to the Editor's Highlight Podcast for the February 2023 issue of the journal Chest. We have a great lineup of diverse content in this month's issue. Over the next 15 minutes or so, I'll provide a brief overview of key manuscripts published in each of our content areas. Starting with our chest infections content area. Whether gastroesophageal reflux disease is associated with an increased risk of non-tuberculous mycobacterial pulmonary disease is not known. In this issue, Kim and colleagues compared the incidence and risk of NTM pulmonary disease between matched people with and without gastroesophageal reflux disease using the Korean National Health Insurance Service National Sample Cohort in order to determine whether gastroesophageal reflux disease influences the development of non-tuberculous mycobacterial pulmonary disease. The incidence of non-tuberculous mycobacterial pulmonary disease was significantly higher in the gastroesophageal reflux disease cohort than the matched cohort, with a hazard ratio of 3.36. Age over 60 years and bronchiectasis were associated with an increased risk in the gastroesophageal reflux disease cohort. Those with gastroesophageal reflux disease and non-tuberculous mycobacterial pulmonary disease had higher all-cause and respiratory disease-related emergency department visits and or hospitalizations. These results suggest there is an association between gastroesophageal reflux disease and non-tuberculous mycobacterial pulmonary disease and that the combination increases healthcare use. Completing this section is a chest review on clinical aspects of lung disease caused by less common, slow-growing non-tuberculous mycobacterial species. On to our COPD content area. There are no prospective studies evaluating the suicide risk among smokers with a spectrum of pulmonary diseases and disease severity. In this issue, Adviento and colleagues evaluated the primary cause of death among 9,930 participants in the COPD gene study to determine which clinical variables are able to predict death by suicide in this cohort of patients with a heavy smoking history. 63 individuals died by suicide. Current smoking, the use of sedatives or hypnotics, and dyspnea were associated with death by suicide. Older age, higher body mass index, and African-American race were associated with a lower risk. The severity of airflow limitation was not associated with suicide risk. These results helped to identify risk factors for suicide in a cohort with a smoking history, highlighting the illness experience over lung function assessment. Next is our critical care content area. Hydrogen sulfide contributes to vasodilation and hypotension in septic shock. Hydroxocobalamin, or vitamin B12, reduces hydrogen sulfide, 
which could restore vascular tone. Human studies in adults with septic shock had not been performed. In this issue, Patel and colleagues report on a phase two, single-center, double-blind, allocation-concealed, placebo-controlled, parallel group, pilot, randomized controlled trial, comparing a single 5-gram dose of IV hydroxocobalamin to placebo in critically ill adults with septic shock. 20 patients were enrolled over 19 months with 100% protocol adherence. In the treatment arm, there was a greater reduction in vasopressor dose post-infusion as well as three hours post-infusion. The plasma hydrogen sulfide level was also reduced. These results provide proof of concept for feasibility of high-dose IV hydroxocobalamin, encouraging more definitive trial designs. Also in this section are original research studies exploring the recall of awareness during paralysis among emergency department patients undergoing tracheal intubation, and an evaluation of diaphragmatic thickness and excursion in infants born preterm with bronchopulmonary dysplasia. A research letter comparing helmet-to-face mask CPAP in COVID-19 respiratory failure and a chest review on prone positioning for acute hypoxemic respiratory failure in ARDS complete this section. On to our diffuse lung disease content area. The trajectory of six-minute walk test parameters and their prognostic implications in patients with fibrotic interstitial lung disease are not known. In this issue, Core and colleagues used prospective registries of patients with idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis and non-IPF fibrotic interstitial lung disease in Australia and Canada to evaluate the prognostic value of six-minute walk test parameters and hypoxemia for progressive pulmonary fibrosis. Those without progressive pulmonary fibrosis had a lower incidence of hypoxemia and an annualized increase in six-minute walk distance in composite indices. Exertional and resting hypoxemia at the time of meeting The criteria for progressive pulmonary fibrosis was associated with reduced transplant-free survival. Adding new onset hypoxemia as a criteria for progressive pulmonary fibrosis led to a reduced median time to develop progressive pulmonary fibrosis. These results suggest oxygenation status can provide prognostic information and assist in defining disease-specific progression in fibrotic interstitial lung disease. Completing this section is a research letter that explores the correlation of bronchoalveolar lavage cell count in pulmonary function tests in the era of antifibrotics, and another that compares the use of genetic information and diagnostic codes to define idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis in the UK biobank. Next is our pulmonary vascular content area. Inhaled triprostanil improves functional ability and delays clinical worsening in patients with pulmonary hypertension resulting from interstitial lung disease. In this issue, Nathan and colleagues report a post hoc analysis of a randomized controlled trial of inhaled triprostanil in patients with pulmonary hypertension and interstitial lung disease designed to determine whether higher doses of inhaled triprostanil improve outcomes. Two dose groups, based on the number of breaths per session, 
were compared between the treatment and placebo arms. Clinical worsening was noted in 17.1% of patients in the high-dose treatment group and 22.8% in the low-dose treatment group. Clinical improvement was seen in 15.7% of patients in the high-dose treatment group and 12.7% in the low-dose group, with both treatment groups having better outcomes than the placebo groups. These results suggest that higher doses of inhaled triprostanol lead to greater benefit, guiding the initiation and uptitration of this therapy in patients with pulmonary hypertension from interstitial lung disease. Completing this section is an original research article that provides insights into the assessment of daily life physical activity by actigraphy in pulmonary arterial hypertension. Our sleep medicine content areas next. Excessive sleep arousal burden has been associated with increased cardiovascular risk by unclear mechanisms. In this issue, Sharbabaki and colleagues evaluated arousals and overnight polysomnograms from 2,558 older men with a focus on ventricular repolarization lability to determine if arousals trigger cardiac ventricular repolarization lability that may predispose to cardiovascular mortality. During 10 years of follow-up, there were 348 cardiovascular deaths. Arousals impacted ventricular repolarization, increasing QT and RR variability, and transiently decreased the QT variability index. Excessive QT variability during arousal was independently associated with all-cause and cardiovascular mortality, with hazard ratios of 1.20 and 1.29, respectively. These results confirm that arousals affect ventricular repolarization and excessive QT variability is associated with mortality. Further study to determine whether QT variability can be used for risk stratification or whether arousal suppression has clinical benefit may be warranted. Next is our thoracic oncology content area. The most effective model for smoking cessation support in lung cancer screening programs is not clear. It is not known whether remote delivery of immediate smoking cessation counseling and pharmacotherapy are effective. In this issue, Williams and colleagues report the findings of a single-mast, randomized controlled trial of individuals who smoke and are enrolled in a targeted lung health check assigned to either immediate telephone smoking cessation intervention support with pharmacotherapy or usual care, which consisted of brief advice to quit and signs guiding patients to smoking cessation services. Self-reported seven-day point prevalence of smoking abstinence at three months among the 315 people randomized were 21.1% in the intervention arm and 8.9% in the control arm, amounting to an odds ratio of 2.83. These findings suggest that immediate provision of an intensive telephone-based smoking cessation intervention delivered within a targeted screening context may improve smoking abstinence at three months. Other original research reported in this section includes an assessment of factors associated with smoking cessation attempts in the National Lung Screening Trial, 
and an evaluation of the diagnostic accuracy of a convolutional neural network for assessing pulmonary nodules. Finally, I encourage you to take a look at our Humanities in Chess Medicine section, where you'll find an original research investigation that identifies themes in the provision of -of end-of-life care for death resulting from COVID-19 during times of isolation, and an exhalations piece titled Opposition with My Own Flesh and Bones, A Patient Reflection. Our case series publications for the month provide novel and educational cases to help improve your clinical skills. I hope you enjoy reading all of the high-quality content available in this month's issue of CHEST. As always, I'm grateful to the authors of this work, reviewers who volunteered their time to improve the quality of these manuscripts, and to our editorial board for guiding everything that we do. Until next month, I hope you enjoy the February issue. Thanks for listening to the Chess Journal's Editor Highlights Podcast. You can find the articles mentioned in this podcast and more on chestjournal.org. And if you're looking for more context and commentary on articles in the current issue, please check out the original Chess Journal podcast, which features in-depth discussions with the authors themselves. We'll be back again with more Editor's Highlights next month.